Friends, welcome to Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. Word on Fire is an apostolate dedicated to the mission of evangelization, using media both old and new to share the faith on every continent and to facilitate an encounter with Christ and His Church. The efforts of Word on Fire engage the culture and bring the transformative power of God's Word where it is most needed. Today we invite you to join Bishop Robert Barron as he preaches the Gospel and shares the warmth and light of Christ with each of us. Peace be with you. Friends, the first reading from the book of Numbers and our Gospel reading from the Gospel of Mark both point to a very interesting problem one faced a number of times throughout the scriptures. We might call it the problem of the church becoming its own worst enemy. The church undermining itself. Now, think for a minute. One of the most effective means of undermining your opponent is divide and conquer, right? Set your enemy somehow at odds with himself And you can sweep him away easily enough. Let him fight himself, and you won't have to fight him. I always think here of um, the Tolkien trilogy and the orcs. Remember those fierce creatures that look so intimidating? But the orcs actually aren't that much of a problem. Why? They're always fighting among themselves. All you have to do is wait long enough, and the orcs will kill each other off because they're divided against themselves. Well, The enemy of the church loves to undermine us in the same way. By sowing dissension, jealousy, rivalry, turf wars. So we spend our our, our energy not working for the Lord, but fighting each other. Probably the best biblical example of this is the war between Saul and David. Remember, go back to the first book of Samuel. You'll find these stories. Saul was the king of Israel, effectively battling on behalf of the Lord. And then along came David. Young, handsome, brave, brilliant in battle. Soon we hear the women were singing, Saul has slain his thousands but David his tens of thousands. Saul began to burn with envy. Even though, what? David was on his side. David was not his enemy. He was fighting the good fight along with Saul. And yet Saul burns with envy, jealousy. It got so bad that David was forced to go into hiding and then to flee from Saul over the course of many months. Read that account too in 1 Samuel. The battle between the houses of David and Saul went on for years, even after Saul's death. And listen now, all this time, the work of the Lord was hampered. The energy that should have been going in a united way into the great struggle was now turned against itself. Now, we have a very good example of the same principle in the book of Numbers, and that's our first reading for today. We hear 
that God has taken some of the spirit he gave to Moses and for the sake of a better government, bestowed it on 70 elders who then began to prophesy. Now, that's kind of biblical talk for they were seized by the spirit of the Lord. They knew what to say. They knew what to do. They were inspired by the Lord. It was all meant to help Moses, right? So he wouldn't be doing all the governance himself. Now, it turns out that two figures identified as Eldad and Medad, who were supposed to be among the official group, but who were not there at the moment. So imagine all these people gathered. There was some, some official you know, gathering, and then the spirit rushed upon them. Well, Eldad and Medad weren't there. Nevertheless, we hear, the spirit of the Lord descended upon them, and they began to prophesy. Right away, a young man complains to Joshua. Th- these two, Eldad and Medad, they're prophesying, but th- they weren't in the official group. Joshua is also offended, and he comes to Moses and says, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Now, here's the question. It goes right back to the David and Saul story. Why were they trying to stop them? Here they were, they're prophesying, and they were filled with the Spirit of the Lord. That's what God wants, what Israel wants, right? Well, they hadn't followed the rules. They weren't with the official group at the right time. They weren't part of the officially recognized in-group. The young man in Joshua seem, seems to me just jealous of them. Because they wanted to keep these prerogatives to themselves. Whatever it was, whatever it was now, it threatened to divide the community. The community was now at odds with itself rather than together fighting the good fight. And this is the the hinge now to the reading. The wise intervention of Moses. You know, Joshua says, look, Moses, stop these people. Moses says, Are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the people of the Lord were prophets. Would that the Lord might bestow his spirit on them all. Good, good. That is the right attitude. Moses knew that these men, Eldad and Medad, no matter how or whether they had followed the rules, whether they were part of the in-group, They had the Spirit and thus were able to foster the mission of Israel. He didn't allow petty jealousy to undermine the mission. He didn't cling to his prerogatives as though they were more important than fighting the good fight. And think for a second, nobody had a greater right to be jealous than Moses. Think if you were in his position. Here you are. You're the great hero. You're the great liberator. You're the great leader of your people. You've led them out of slavery. You're Moses. And now, now it seems your authority is being kind of mitigated because the spirit is being spread to lots of other people. I mean, if anybody had a right to be jealous, it would be Moses himself. But he doesn't give in to that petty feeling. Now, 
The church juxtaposes this reading with the gospel because the gospel for today has a very similar message. John complains to Jesus that some people not of their group were driving out demons in Jesus' name. Now, same thing, isn't it? Here's John's thinking, hey, we're the in-group. We're, we're the disciples. We're the ones that have received the special commission from Jesus. Who, who are these clowns who are, are uh, pretending to drive out demons in Jesus' name? But Jesus said, don't prevent them. Whoever is not against us is for us. <laughs> Terrific, isn't it? Wonderful generous attitude. See, John was angry that somebody outside their little circle might get credit. Ah, but Jesus isn't playing that silly game. What matters is the driving out of demons. That's what matters. Just as the victory of Israel over its enemies, that's what mattered. Doing the mission of the church, that's what matters. Not these petty games of who's in, who's out, who's got the power, who doesn't, who's recognized, who isn't. What matters is the mission. Now, if you think this sort of thing only happened in biblical times, you haven't spent a lot of time around the church. <laughs> now, don't, don't get mad at me. Don't misconstrue me. I am a priest. I'm a proud churchman. I love and admire the church and all those great people in it who do so much for Christ's kingdom. Mind you, for very little compensation. God bless everybody in the church, and I mean that very sincerely. But I've also been around the block long enough to have seen this very problem. On parish staffs, in diocesan offices, within rectories, among parish communities, what? We can get so tied up in our little games, protecting our little turf, making sure things go according to the little bureaucratic structures that we recognize, that we forget what the mission is about. Now, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you see it all over the place, not just in the church, but I think we're focusing here on, on the church. It's got a great mission to bring Christ to the world. Naturally, things like offices and bureaucracies and, and procedures and all that grow up. Nothing wrong with that in, in, in itself. But the problem is when our jealousy and rivalry because of those things takes precedence over the mission. I've known priests filled with youthful enthusiasm and good creative ideas who've been undermined by jealous pastors or envious fellow associates. I've known decent, honest, God-fearing people who've been pushed out of a position on a pair of staff because of jealousy. I've known of wonderful ideas, initiatives, programs that just get lost in a diocesan bureaucracy. Precisely because some people don't want these things to flourish. I've seen church people, both clergy and lay, who cling to their prerogatives and privileges way too long 
effectively blocking the advancement of younger, talented people. You know, I feel the need here to, uh, to sing the praises of my first pastor, a wonderful man, just died a few years ago, Father Joe Canane. Joe was the pastor of St. Paul the Cross Parish where I was first assigned. And, and I arrived there as a, as a kid, you know, 26 years old, full of enthusiasm, full of, of energy and ideas. And, you know, it would have been easy enough for Joe to kind of put me in my place, set up roadblocks, allow maybe a feeling of rivalry to overtake him. But he had none of that in Joe. Joe was like Moses. I mean, he knew the mission. He knew that I was on his side. He knew I had something to bring, and he, and he let me bring it. <laughs> Do you know? That's the attitude. What both Jesus and Moses saw was that the mission is what matters. Bringing God's love to the world, being a conduit of grace, that's what matters. All of our personal glory, position, privilege, honor, status, all of that is finally a matter of indifference. Can we say with Moses, would that everyone be a prophet? (laughs) So you've got your role in the church. I got my role. Great. Someone else comes along with the gift of, of prophecy. Good. Let them flourish. Could we all say with Jesus, huh, if you're not against me, I'm going to assume you're with me. That's the sign you've overcome these narrow and petty ego games. And you allow the mission of the church to be your great priority. And God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's homily from Bishop Robert Barron. For more resources from Bishop Barron, please visit wordonfire.org.